Republican had debated the options, weighed them uh, at, for at least three weeks, and had finally arrived at a decision, uh, had secured the weapons, the ammunition, and decided that he would do it. It was a horrible thing. But once I started, I was like on auto, or auto drive. I killed all of them. Welcome back to the Vodka, Lemonade and Crime podcast. I'm Chloe and today we are switching things up a little bit. For our 10th podcast, I am going solo. This is something that I've wanted to do and experiment with since I started the podcast. So I hope that everyone enjoys this new format. Please sound off below in the review section if you love it or if you hate it. I want to hear all of your thoughts and your opinions. The cocktail for today's episode I'm actually super excited about. It is called a Tiffany Mimosa and I actually found a recipe online so I'm not claiming or taking credit for this one. The ingredients are one slice of lemon, two teaspoons of granulated sugar, a quarter of blue cucaro, which I'm pronouncing incorrectly, I'm sorry. It's like a Caribbean liquor and it's bright blue, topped off with some lemonade and a little bit of champagne or Prosecco, whatever you fancy. So I would definitely recommend checking out this cocktail in particular. And I'll also leave a picture over on Instagram of this cocktail because it is just so pretty to look at the sources. As always, you can find the sources in the description of the podcast and you can also find them in the description of the Instagram post dedicated to today's episode. And for today's case, I'm going to be sharing a story that stuck with me ever since I heard it on the Murder With My Husband podcast. Shout out to them, their podcast is absolutely epic. If you know anything about crime podcasts, you know how good Murder With My Husband is, so go check them out. This is the John List murders that took place in 1970. Now, John List shot his wife, his mother and his three children in cold blood. He then made a sandwich, drove to the bank to close his and his mother's accounts and then disappeared for 18 years. So, if you can serve the time, then get ready for some vodka, lemonade and crime. To the people that knew him, John List was a family man, a successful man, a man who had it all figured out. List and his family were the embodiment of the American dream in 1965. They attended church every Sunday as devout Lutherans and List taught Sunday school. Famously, the family lived in a 19-room Victorian mansion. I'm telling you, this place was massive. It had so many luxuries, even a ballroom. To support his family, List had worked as an accountant in the local bank. He was extremely attached to his ideas about what a man should be. An American man should be independent, self-sufficient, and always support their families. But in reality, at the age of 46, List had actually lost his job and in doing so had built up a lot of debt. And he was secretly transferring money from his mother's account for monthly mortgage payments. But a psychiatrist, a witness for the prosecution, testified that List carried out the murders with a sane, cool mind. 
In his early life, List was born in Bay City, Michigan, and he was an only child. His parents were German-Americans, and their names were John Friedrich List and Alma Barbara Florence List. In 1943, he joined the United States Army and served in World War II. After his service, he enrolled at the University of Michigan and earned his bachelor's degree in business administration and his master's degree in accounting. So this is a big deal back then. Having a master's degree is a rare thing. Not as many people had master's degrees back then. So it was a big deal for somebody to be an accountant. Moving into the murders, it is now November the 9th, 1971. We are in the List family home in Westfield, New Jersey, in this 19-room mansion that I mentioned earlier. List lives with his wife, Helen, his daughter, Patricia, his two sons, Friedrich and John, and his mother, Alma, who lived in the top part of the house. The day starts like every other day. The children leave for school and List's mother is sleeping upstairs. List and his wife are having their morning coffee in the kitchen. As Helen turns away from her husband, List pulls out his 9mm semi-automatic handgun and shoots his wife in the back of the head. She was just 46 years of age. List then makes his way upstairs to where his own mother is sleeping. He kisses her and then shoots her in cold blood just above her left eye. He then waits for his daughter Patricia to come home from school. He makes several phone calls throughout the day, including to the children's school and cancelling deliveries to explain that he and his family are going to North Carolina to visit his wife's mother. He then sat down and ate lunch at the same table where he had just shot his wife. When Patricia and Friedrich, ages just 16 and 13, arrive home from school, List shoots both of them in the back of the head. List's second son, John, aged just 15, had a soccer game after school that day. List drives to his son's game to cheer him on and then drives him back home where his family members lay dead. He leads his son inside the house and shoots him 10 times. Following the murders, List laid the bodies of his wife and his children on sleeping bags and lined them up in the ballroom. There are conflicting reports about whether he moved his mother's body into the ballroom or left her someplace else in the house. I think that he left her someplace else in the house. List then sat down and wrote a confession letter to his pastor explaining his financial problems. He says, At least I'm certain they have all gone to heaven now. If things had gone on, who knows what would be the case? He had also written that he hoped that his pastor would understand why he had done what he had did. He claimed his family's relationship with God would unravel and they would not make it safely to heaven. 
List also gave specific instructions for his family's burials, but left no money to pay for the funerals. List then played eerie religious music through the intercon system and left all of the lights on to give the illusion that people were still at home. He then went around all the family portraits in the home and cut himself out of all of them before fleeing the crime scene. He was never seen again for another 18 years. A whole month has gone past since the murders before the neighbours grew curious about the constantly burning lights in the mansion, so they decided to ring authorities. When the authorities entered the mansion, the sound of the eerie religious music crackled through the intercom system. They were greeted by a strong smell of decay and immediately grew worried. Police first found the long confession note that List had written, explaining that the bodies were in the ballroom. They discovered that indeed the bodies were in the ballroom laid on the sleeping bags. A search immediately began for List, but all they found was his car that was parked at the Kennedy International Airport in New York City. Did he leave the country or did he stay in the US? The case went cold and no one knew the whereabouts of John List for another 18 years, a mass killer. Fast forward 18 years on, John List is still a wanted fugitive of the law and one of America's most wanted. New Jersey prosecutors hired an expert forensic artist named Frank Bender to create a physical bust of John List, reimagined like he had aged over 18 years. Psychologists predicted that List would have likely worn the same style of glasses to remind him of his successful years. The bust had a hawked nose, thick eyebrows, and large, thick-rimmed glasses. Using actors, we will recreate crimes of dangerous fugitives, often at the locations where they took place. Kind of makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. We believe these stories demand telling. The baby was dead. And you can make a difference. On May 1989, America's Most Wanted aired the John List case to over 22 million viewers showcasing Frank Bender's sculpture. Hundreds of leads came pouring in, but a significant tip came from a woman who lived in Richmond, Virginia, who thought that her next-door neighbour, a man named Robert Clark, looked suspiciously like the sculpture. <laughs> 
the woman also explained that her neighbour was an avid churchgoer and an accountant. Authorities go to Richmond, Virginia to visit the home of a Mr Robert Clark. They found out that List had in fact changed his identity to Robert Clark and moved to Colorado. His alias was successful, so he kept the name and moved on to Richmond, Virginia, where he met his new wife at a church gathering. John List was arrested just nine days after America's Most Wanted aired his case. The jury found John List guilty and a judge sentenced him to five life terms in a New Jersey prison. He died in 2008 at the age of 82. The List mansion burned down several months after the bodies were discovered. Authorities never found the cause of the fire. But they did discover that there was a stained glass skylight over the ballroom that was made by Lewis Comfort Tiffany, which would have been worth enough to bail List out of all of his financial problems. That concludes the John List case. As always, thank you so, so much for listening and please do go follow us over on Instagram for episode updates and TikTok for episode previews at Vodka, Lemonade and Crime. That's all from me for now, so if you can serve the time, then join us in the next episode of Vodka, Lemonade and Crime. Crime.